Hey there, freaks. Welcome back to Rabbit Hole Recap with Marty and Matt O'Dell. Uh, How's it going, guys? It's, it's, I'm surviving. I'm doing okay, Matt. Uh, a lot of drama, a lot of volatility. Volatility is back. We'll get to it. Um, t- today is Monday, November 19th, 2018. Uh, day that will go down in infamy for some people, I'm sure. Uh, before we jump into the topics of the day, this podcast was brought to you by the Cash App, our favorite app. Uh, our favorite app to buy, Bitco- buy Bitcoin. Uh, you already know the Cash App is the number one finance app in the App Store. You've heard this spiel many times. Uh, y- if you've been listening to this podcast, you know about the Boost Program. The Boost Program is something uh, that I have been taking advantage of, a lot of advantage of, actually. Actually, I use it almost every day. Uh, basically, what you do is you order uh, the free cash card after you download the Cash App, uh, and you get Boost which get you discounts at certain retailers. They just added Taco Bell to the list last week. Uh, the retailers include Whole Foods, Chipotle, uh, Domino's. Like I said, Taco Bell's now on the roster. Take care of Taco Bell. Get the cash card, and uh, you can get a little discount there. And then the coffee shops as well. It's my favorite one. The cash card puts you in control of your money with an extra in-app safety feature that lets you pause your card with a touch. Unlike a credit card, there are no fees ever and the credit check isn't required to get one uh we're not using the other apps anymore don't even know their names uh visit the app store google play marketplace uh, and download the cash app now uh and tell them we sent you we're big fans of them uh and their bitcoin buying capabilities best way to buy bitcoin right now for for a u.s person yeah their ach setup is uh impeccable the money comes from your bank account to the app uh and you can buy bitcoin right away and then send it out of the app as quickly uh, as possible you can buy bitcoin and have it in a personal wallet within five minutes depending on what the congestion's like on the network uh matt we're sitting large at four, four, 48.90 right now on bitstamp our favorite ex- exchange uh been a bit chaotic i believe last week we were still at six thousand only five days ago or was it were we in five thousand range no we were, we were like sixty three hundred two episodes 6, ago right uh two episodes ago we we're talking about five days ago we were Six days ago, when we dropped it on Wednesday, we hadn't even broken six k yet. I don't think so. I don't believe so. I have to go back. We have to run the tape back. I think we. I think we had just broken six k. Yeah, it seems like there's some capitulation in the air. Some more. Uh, a lot of people freaking out. Uh, well, maybe it was the day after we dropped. We broke. We broke six k. Yeah, because we dropped on Wednesday, and the 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 Bcash fork hadn't happened yet, right? Yeah, it was the day before. And the narrative needed the Bcash fork to be blamed for the price drop, even though it was completely unrelated. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah. The narr- the volatility was at all time lows. Like we were, ta- I think we pr- practically called it. We we're like volatility is at all time. Yeah, it was Something's due. About the break. Uh, what's interesting is global markets are suffering as well. Uh, the traditional stock market's been yeah, on. Yeah, they're getting hammered today. Nasdaq <laughs> was down a whole three percent. Yeah, it was, but uh, it, maybe Bitcoin is playing into a larger uh, global macro play here, and people are uh, yeah, a risk off scenario. Risk off, yeah, which may be more likely. And then uh, the SEC, uh, the SEC announcement from last week, I actually think would have more uh, oh, yeah that could have been insider trading too before that announcement that as well um and i think that would have a bigger impact than the the bitcoin cash uh, that's what preston burn kind of called he was like yeah. someone asked him i think breaker magazine asked him which was funded by an ico by the way breaker magazine asked him what they thought the the reason for the price fall was before the 
the SEC news came out, and he said it's probably some uh, insider information leaking before the... Yeah, people reshuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic before the SEC hammer came down. Uh, I guess that'll be our first topic outside of prices. The SEC came out, for you freaks that don't know, last week. And it seems as though they well they uh, went after two ICOs in particular. Paragon, what was that, like a weed uh, a weed token? They had a lot of celebrities, right? I don't yeah, know it's if it Snoop. I'm pretty sure that was the one Paris Hilton was on. Uh, and, a few, and I think Money Mayweather might have been on that as well. Um, and then AirSwap was the other one. It wasn't AirSwap. It was, it was Air, Air Fox. Air Fox. Excuse me. Excuse me. Air Fox, not AirSwap. Uh, Which is also another token. Yeah. Um, here in Brooklyn, I believe. Uh, but what we are learning from this enforcement action from the SEC is it, look, it seems as though they have structured uh, sort of copy and paste uh, format for coming after these ICOs. They can sort of play mad libs with the different ico uh f- founders and names and and sort of start going after everybody so i mean the big thing i think was aren't they making them refund the tokens yes or the you is it the u.s dollar value of, at time of sale at time of sale i'm not sure i haven't really looked into it that much i everyone was freaking out about it but i you i just, just expected the yeah. sec to crack down on all this shit so yeah I, i'm very, very much the same way. Again, I think it's short-term noise, but uh, it was bound to happen. We've been talking about it. Like, but if they have to liquidate their treasury holdings, which is usually both Ethereum and Bitcoin, but mostly Ethereum, like that could have a, a major effect on the price. Yeah. Uh, the Ethereum price, that's, uh, it's approaching some very, very crucial levels for, for the maker, die in particular. Uh well, people, they keep padding there. Yeah, so let me pull up the site. But uh, Ethereum, ETH, Ether is trading around $150 on a Gemini right now. Yeah, Ethereum's down about 14% today, and Bitcoin's down 11.3%. So Ethereum fell a little bit more than Bitcoin. Yeah, I'm looking for the the site that tracks the uh, make or die. Um, bloody, bloody day, man. <laughs> well, it was bound to happen, right? Or while Marty is uh, is looking for that, just wanted to let you freaks know that I, I bought him a nice new uh, tumbler to replace the one that you might have heard me break last episode. Thank you for that. He's currently drinking out of it right now. Uh, the bottle we're consuming today is uh, Monkey Shoulder, and it was uh, actually it was a gift from one of our listeners at Upstream Host. Um, so give him a follow. He seems like a good dude. Bought us a bottle. Thanks for that, bro. Very tasty. Enjoying enjoying it a lot. All right, I'm on the site here. Have you been on the site? You know how to navigate this? All right, here we go. Um, Are you on the site? Yeah, so the next big liquidation is at about... $142.45 right now. Uh, they'll have to sell off. It's going to jump from... Yeah, they'll have to sell off about 7 million Ether if the price gets to that level, just to keep the uh, the uh, peg Because it's collateralized. Yes, It's exactly. collateralized with Ethereum. So once it falls to a certain point, they have to sell the Ether to compensate for the, the, the shortfall. Yeah, 
Um, so that's another thing to watch out. Uh, again, this is, uh, this is, I don't want to seem too harsh here, but the type of capitulation we probably needed to see, um, there needs to be a cleansing of all the bad actors and, uh, basically people have to be punished for making stupid, uh, economic market decisions. Um, I mean, I don't think these ICOs are. I think it's a little bit wishful thinking uh, to think that the bad actors will all be flushed out, but a lot of them will be. No, but there'll be uh, uh, this. This happening will cause people to pause going forward, and and I mean, this has happened what two, three other times already. Yeah, and obviously, yeah. There's new scammers and new scams every cycle, but uh, like it is like the tide coming and like there are more and more people get, uh, get a hardened defense against these types of scams going forward. Oh, sure. Sure. I agree. I mean, yeah. every time you get scammed, you learn exactly as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, as far as bottoms, you need like full despair. You if, if it's going to be anything like the previous one, which, which is the only one me and you have lived through. Um, and I've talked to people who have lived through, um, the 2011 one and you know you need to be it needs to be like bitcoin is over yeah. and i just fucking wasted all this time so for the majority of people in the market yeah we're not there yet but uh at candle hater on twitter has a nice thread going uh going around looking for people capitulating in twi- tweets uh I'm out. Fuck this crypto bullshit. I'm done. I'm not wasting any more time here. Fuck crypto Twitter. Fuck Bitcoin. Fuck Matthew McConaughey. Call a capitulation. I don't care. Goodbye. Um, Fuck Matthew McConaughey. I like Matthew McConaughey. Crypto Panini. All right, all right, all right. Crypto Panini. Gone. One down. Uh, One more. Godle member. At Godle member. I'm capitulating. Fuck you all. I lost a lot of money. Fuck crypto. Worst year of my life. Keep gambling. Fuck wits. I lost seven grand. Fucked a lot of you. I hate crypto, and I hope you all commit suicide. Wow. God will remember. That's fucked up. It's a bit harsh, man. That's really fucked up. All right, we'll go one more. We'll don't, go one don't more. Don't commit suicide. Uh, Ethereum West, uh, parentheses, not a security, at Ethereum West on Twitter. I'm out of crypto. Probably won't trade again until the manipulation stops. Tired of the bad actors in the space. I wouldn't be surprised if we see $100 Bitcoin. It's a scam to buy right now. So those are just a few capitulation tweets. I would buy all of the Bitcoin at $100, <laughs> man. I don't know. I don't think it'll ever get to $100. Uh, again. Um, That'd be a fucking mess. I mean, I'm glad that we brought Murad on. Right. Right. When did we, we, we brought Murad on. He basically, this is his scenario that he played out for you guys. What was it three episodes ago, four episodes ago? This is why we brought him on. Let me... Uh, we brought so him on October this, October eighth. You guys knew this was a was a, a scenario, a likely scenario that could play out here. Yeah. Um. So stick to the plan. That's yeah. like. Well, we're not giving you financial advisors. It's just like we're we're observing uh, the market actions as they as they progress through time. And uh, today was a particularly this weekend was particularly uh, exciting exciting, but uh, I don't want to say exciting. But definitely, well, it's uh, more exciting when the volatility goes upwards. Yeah, invigorating, I would say. Uh, I, feel, I feel I feel alive for the first time in a while in this space. You know, there's a few boring months there over the summer. Um, yeah, but the problem is, is so now we have this heavy ass drop. We're gonna have that same period 
when when this all settles out, we're gonna have that same period of three months, but we're gonna be doing it like a lot poorer. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh, I would I would argue that uh, we're definitely not not through the worst of it yet. But well, the key is what? Like, did you see that Bloomberg just donated one point eight billion to with John Hopkins, his alma mater? I did not see that for scholarships like imagine if you put a fraction of that into bitcoin that's what we need to turn around the turn around the bear market yeah just bloomberg just needs to announce you know 400 million dollars market buy uh i'll get on it i'll get on it i'll email someone's got to tweet at tweet at tweet at mike yeah um yeah that's all we'll say about the current market conditions we try not to focus on price too much here um let's get back to why we're in this uh in the first place and there's Always reminders uh, in the news, and last week we got a very stark reminder of why Bitcoin exists. A couple of gold uh, sellers in Iran were executed um, by the Iranian government. Uh, the Iranian government accused them of cornering the gold market and manipulating they prices. They called them hoarders. Yeah, called them hoarders. Uh, but if you look into it, it seems as though they were they were running a legitimate business and uh, were being very beneficial market players by. Cr- creating the service that they did where people could buy gold in a country whose currency is hyperinflating uh, due to the fact that they're being sanctioned by the rest of the world. Um, so these two were, were executed, excuse me, executed. And I, I think it just, I wrote about it in the bent last week. And I, I think it's just a, a story that should highlight why we're in this. Uh, Bitcoin provides a non-physical uh, bearer asset that, that people in countries like Iran need uh to preserve their wealth and and self-sovereignty and uh the physical nature of gold makes it so that these government agents could basically see that they were selling gold and and step in i mean yeah, you still might have gotten caught but and yeah. executed but they might not have actually gotten all the funds. it would have been harder it would have been they harder. couldn't at least they wouldn't have had the incentive of being able to steal all this money too at the same time right yeah, I mean, they might have by torturing him or whatever, but you never know. Maybe he only gives up one password or he gives up another password or something. You, you never really know if you get it all. Yeah. With gold, you just walk into the room and it's just all sitting there. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the word hoarders just really triggers me. Like, they use that a lot in the last bear market. Um, to Why does it trigger you? To deride Bitcoin, Bitcoin savers. Um, because I, I think I think that... Over the years, we've been sold like this false narrative that, you know, you you should spend, you know, you shouldn't save your money. And I don't think that we should uh, deride people who want to store their wealth for their children. Um, and I think that also so that's where like the hoarders element comes in. And then they also shame hodlers. And I think, you know, if you dollar cost average and you, you know, hold long term that that's the more conservative play than trying to time short-term moves in like a highly volatile market. So like that's ridiculous. You know, it's easy to say like, oh, like you should have sold higher, right? But like when it all levels out, 99% of people are going to be way better off dollar cost averaging and hodling. Yeah. I mean, it's a a strategy for wealth preservation over time and you can't deride people for for wanting to save some money over time. You know, you're not even saving money to hand over to their kids, just... If they want to buy a house or something. 
But I think the hoarding narrative is going to become more of an issue as as we go forward. Well, that's interesting. That's a good segue. This wasn't even on the topics list, but what I talked about in the event today is uh, coming more and more to the realization that Bitcoin's biggest attack surface might be misinformation. And it's tough. The mainstream media, there's a lot, I said there's a lot of uh, uninformed informers in, in the mainstream media who are uh, the loudest and have the biggest audiences and are putting bad information in people's minds and that's why we do this podcast and why i write the newsletter is actively uh battle that misinformation and try to put good information out there um but like you said uh i think i think bitcoin is highly resistant to that uh type of attack um i think who's more affected are you know the people who could miss out on possibly the greatest investment opportunity, you know, the greatest wealth transfer event of their lives. Because mm-hmm. uh, they could get fooled into, oh, it's Beanie Babies, or oh, it's going to boil the oceans. But like Bitcoin doesn't care if an article comes out in The Economist that says that Bitcoin is going to boil the oceans. Like that doesn't fucking do anything to Bitcoin. But there's examples of misinformation leading to bad policy, like in Quebec, for instance. Oh, sure. I agree with that. I agree with that. I, I, right. But but then it comes down to, so you're fucking, that line of reasoning is fucking over the citizens of Quebec, right? So it's still screwing over specific end users or specific people, individuals, groups, rather than Bitcoin. Because then, you know, so then there's no Bitcoin mining in Quebec, so it happens somewhere else. That's true. Yeah. But or like the bit license, for instance, right? Like that fucked over New York. That didn't fuck over Bitcoin. Bitcoin said, fuck you to it. Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. Very good point. Um, but I do think it is advantageous for us to get out in front and try to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, ledger and treasure issues. Is this have is I did not do much research on on this before hopping on the uh, mic. But is this about the BTC Pay server? Right. So XPub thing. So Ledger first. The first issue arose earlier this week with Ledger, which was a privacy issue, um, where if your Ledger is unlocked and your Bitcoin app is open on the Ledger, then any application on your computer or presumably any web page you visit can pull your XPub keys which is can pull your XPub, which gives them all your addresses and future addresses. So basically your privacy is completely compromised. You, they can't steal your coins or anything. Uh, I mean, they, it can make you a bigger target because like someone might know you have coins yeah. and how much you have. Uh, but but on, on a pure basis, it's a privacy. It's privacy, not security. And Ledger has a fix coming out um, in their next update, they said. Yeah, I thought Trezor said they were immune from this issue, though. Yeah, they've been going back and forth. The key is, I'm pretty sure the Trezor gives you a prompt. The, the, way, the way to mitigate this kind of issue, you're always going to... You should just assume that if you plug a hardware wallet into a computer that's connected to the internet, you could end up leaking privacy, right? So, like, you don't have to worry as much about security, but you should assume that you could be leaking you know, wallet balances and stuff like that. And the easiest way for them to mitigate this is is that it prompts you on the screen of the device. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want whatever website to, to see your keys? 
and it doesn't prompt you on Ledger. The update's going to prompt you. Okay. And I'm pretty sure it prompts you on Trezor. And then on cold card, you can do it without connecting to a computer because they have an SD card. Um, so then you don't even have to worry about it because it's just muling the signed transaction over. I need to mess around with the cold card. I haven't done that yet. Yeah, I, I have I have two. I can let you fuck around with one. Thanks. How's uh, fucking around with the Casa node been? I'm still syncing. Okay. Yeah, Jeremy, I spoke with uh, you freaks will hear this interview tomorrow. I spoke with Jeremy Welch yesterday. And he actually, he answered your questions uh, very thoroughly. Um, awesome. I'm excited. Yeah. He answered those towards the end of the podcast. So definitely listen towards the end to hear some important uh, security and privacy uh, questions answered in regards to the CASA node. But, um, but let's go back to Ledger Treasure okay. real quick. And then, and then we can go back to all these new sexy hardware nodes we have. Um, so, so we have that with the Ledger. So you have a potential privacy leak. So I, if... The ways attack like this would look is if you had, you know, like an app on your computer that was a bad app or even we haven't seen actual proof of concept and we probably won't see one before the fix comes out anyway. But like the idea would be like you embed something in a a Bitcoin payment screen because you know they're going to unlock their ledger on that web page to pay the invoice. Mm -hmm. So they'll be more likely to leak their keys. Okay. Um, And then you also have all these other privacy things like, oh, if you're using the ledger software, you're using the treasure software, are they leaking keys there and stuff? You know, so, so whenever you're connecting these things to internet devices, you should assume there's some kind of privacy risk. Then with Trezor today, they released a blog post. Did you see this about the not. the knockoffs? Oh, I did not and see they, this. The boxes look the same. The devices look the same. But they're not legitimate devices. Uh, and right now, they don't think that they're being used for malicious reasons. It's literally just the usual Chinese play of knocking it off and offering it for cheaper. But the same idea could be used to give you a malicious device where they could steal your keys, right? And steal access to your funds. Uh, oh, damn. Yeah, so you should read the blog post to see like how sophisticated yeah. some of these fakes are. That's one thing, especially when you're first opening your treasure, the box, the sticker is is probably the most important part, right? But so the sticker is like a limited... You should look at it and like they, they put another sticker on the bottom of the treasure too of the new one where the hole is. And like you should examine it, but it offers you limited limited benefit because someone could get their hands on more stickers, right? And try and put it down. So that's why they have like a lot of residue on them. Um, so this happens because you bought it on Amazon or somewhere and you got a knockoff instead. I so, always tell people just to buy on the website, even if it's yeah. more expensive. So you want to buy it. on the website first off, right? And now when you buy on the website, if you give them your home address, all of a sudden you're on a company's list that sells Bitcoin storage devices with your home address. So like it'd be best if you use like a Dropbox location, like a UPS store or something like that to ship to. And then if you bought it with with cryptocurrency, if you bought it with Bitcoin or other cryptocurrency that if they support another crypt, whatever, instead of credit card, because with credit card, then you end up on a list where like your name bought that, right? I mean, with me and you, we're like kind of public already, but like there's no reason to telegraph and get on lists if, if you own Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing to note is that this type of attack could also happen if your shipping gets intercepted. So you could 
order from Trezor, get it shipped to your house or Dropbox or whatever, and then while it's in the post office, like someone could switch it out. And like I guess it'd be more likely for it to happen like over like where's Trezor's Czech Republic, I think? Uh, I believe so, yes. So, like, from their distribution center, like, that'd be the most likely, right? Like, if, like, a Czech Republic postman was, like, switching them out. Yeah. And so you could have supply, they're called supply chain attacks, where they, they switch out the package mid, mid-route. mid Yeah, it's crazy. It's uh, It's scary, too. How do you ever know? Well, so one of the interesting things about this is the ledger is immune to this to a degree because it has a secure element in it. So when you plug it in, the software checks to make sure that the secure element is legit. I'm like 99% sure that's the case. Mm -hmm. Um, That means the ledger isn't fully open source, which is why people don't like the ledger. But is that a trade-off? It's a trade-off. So it's a different threat model. Are you willing to accept that trade-off? Well, so if you're worried about like a state actor, right? If you're worried about like a government pressuring ledger into compromising their wallets, right? Then, Mm -hmm. Then ledger might be a, a worse worse option than a treasure, right? But if you're worried about any other threat model besides a state actor, then the ledger might be more secure. I think like at the end of the day, you should be using multiple of these things from different brands mm-hmm. and true cold storage for your real your real stash. You should be using, you know, true cold storage. And then that way if any of them get fucked you know, as, as as some, if you're a non-technical person, like that's the best you can do, right? I think like you just don't rely on a single device. Yeah, diversify your risk. Exactly, like the Titanic. <laughs> you gotta compartmentalize. <laughs> uh, the Titanic's always a good example. Such a good reference, you right? know. They're coming out. Do you see they're coming out with the second one in like three years? <laughs> Fuck you, Hollywood. No, it, Become no, more not original. The movie. They're coming out with a replica Titanic oh. ship for cruises, and I think it'd be perfect for the next crypto blockchain cruise, right? You'll never find me on one of those. I thought Titanic they were going to remake Titanic. Well, yeah, we would never be on a crypto cruise, but I, I that's fucking hilarious. They should put a crypto cruise on <laughs> I thought Hollywood is about to do another remake. I'm sick I mean, of... I if the ship goes down, you can bet your ass will come out with a the trilogy. Day one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for you freaks that don't know, I have a very big ripe with Hollywood and their lack of uh, ingenuity and... Uh, basically creativity these days it's all remix shit in my opinion um but we didn't come here to talk about movies uh we came here to talk about cryptocurrency and before we left you freaks last week uh bitcoin cash was one single chain and now it is three three correct no the original died it's did it die all right now it's two the original's Um, dead now you have bitcoin cash abc and and bitcoin cash uh I always want to say Silicon Valley. Uh, SV. SV. Satoshi's Vision. Satoshi's Vision. Yeah. Um, Satoshi's Vision got reorged today. Uh, no, it was it was just two blocks. It was probably just because they have big blocks and they're just shitty miners in general. Yeah. Um, uh, it was probably just an accident. Yeah. Um, two block reorg isn't that out of the ordinary. No, but we've uh, got interesting data points. Uh, in regards to the nature of hash wars and uh, minority forks. The and first and most important thing is that Bitcoin Cash is dead now. Yes, it is. We can officially proclaim it a centralized piece of garbage. Uh, I would agree. And so this is a very nuanced point uh, with the checkpointing in particular. So for those of you that don't know, at some point, uh, I believe it was Friday, Thursday or Friday night, 
the Bitcoin Cash ABC developers, whatever you want to refer to them as, uh, it's so complicated. instituted a checkpoint uh, at the tip of their chain. At the fork block. At the fork block. Secretly. Uh, yeah, secretly. So without any, like... Uh, consensus with people they like passed it out to their miners mm-hmm. because bitcoin.com switched over their bitcoin hash rate to bch they basically 51 percent attacked the chain at the time of because they brought on more hash to bitcoin cash than total hash was there from bitcoin over um and in support of bitcoin cash abc because that's rogers rogers company uh and then at the same time they were running this slightly altered code that had the checkpoint. Um, and so were the exchanges. Mm-hmm. The exchanges were too? Yeah. Did they know about it? Yeah. Really? It was part of the agreement. It seems it seems it was part of the agreement um, to deal with the clusterfuck that was Bitcoin Cash. Who came you to know? the agreement? You know, because the exchanges are worried because the exchanges are dealing with crediting user balances and depositing and withdrawing. So... Two block, for instance, two blocks before the checkpoint, a million Bitcoin cash was sent, mm-hmm. right? If that Bitcoin cash was sent to an exchange and then post fork got reorged, then that exchange, it just fucks everything for that, that exchange. So, so it seems that a couple of the big exchanges, particularly Poloniex, um, Agree. They wanted. They wanted the checkpoint protection. They wanted to know that everything before this block was safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, like you can imagine, like that's what I said when when the Poloniex first released the futures trading. I love fork futures. I think they're a great idea. Um, but with Bitcoin Cash, it's such a shit coin and it's so manipulatable. Like so much shenanigans could happen, which is what we were talking about in the in the previous episode right before it happened that they were really opening as a U.S. regulated exchange that has like Goldman as an investor. Like they were really opening themselves up to like complete getting fucked. Right. Um, And this was, but we didn't know that they were doing a secret checkpoint in the background and that protected them. What do you think about the reorg? And it seems like Craig tried to reorg and hit the checkpoint and wasn't able to. What do you think about this? Okay. So first, Disclosure is Satoshi was a fan of checkpoints. Yes. In the beginning. And, but the key is that there's hit, some nuances. This is what we want to get into. Yeah. Nuance. Because I got annoying. caught, I got caught with my pants down a bit. Uh, yeah. James O'Byrne, uh, shout out James. He was the one who showed, showed it to us. Yeah. Shout out James OB for calling, keeping us in check. That's uh, what I love about Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I found the commit. Like I was just Googling around yeah, for uh, the most recent commit. So Bitcoin has had checkpoints in the past, but if you go and you go into the commits and you look at the discussion around the checkpoints, it's vastly different. Well, so the most recent one was four years ago, over four years ago. It was blocked 295,000. Um, and the checkpoints were always put in. I mean, I don't agree with checkpoints at all because it's a, it's a centralized point of failure. You have a, a small group deciding on, 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 it changes the chain security model. But with these checkpoints, they were farther back in the chain. So like they already had 200, 300 confirms. Um, Even more than that, I, I think. But well, the early ones didn't. 
But towards the end, like the last one had even more confirms. Yes. Right. So you have all these blocks on top of it and they're not really making consensus. But if you do it at the tip of the block and you do it, which is what Bitcoin Cash did, and you do it at the tip of the block during a contentious hard fork secretly with like a closed group of like three miners and like five people in a room decided that this block is the valid block for Bitcoin Cash. At that point, you know, you have you have a centralized, expensive to use worthless token. Like I don't if, if it's not decentralized and censorship resistant, then, it, you know, it has no value. Yeah, uh, it was pretty alarming to see that they would do that. It was just like, how could you do that in that way and not? Well, they be- knew they were going to get reorged. Like Craig caught them with their pants on. They finally got, they finally got what was coming for them for running a chain that had minority hash rate on an ASIC algo instead of changing their POW. They because then they couldn't pretend it was Bitcoin if they changed the POW. So they were running this risk the whole time. Craig finally caught them with their pants down and they knew they were going to get reorged. So they had to resort because this basically shoots themselves in the foot. Like there's no coming back from this. Right. Um, And they still felt it was necessary to do it, which I mean, that that tells you something, right? Exactly. But I'm going to focus on. Excuse me. The uh, the exchanges like I understand that it would be chaotic for them, but should they have that much? Uh, should they exert that they type of power? They should not list it. Right? Or they should not list it or just list the two separate chains as different tickers and not worry about it, right? Well, no. So part of the problem is, right? So it's like... Well, yeah, it could still get reorged. Pre-BCA, yeah. you could reorg it. If you have enough hash, you could reorg it, you know, way back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think... I think chains that list these exchanges exchanges that list these weaker chains are they open themselves up to huge amounts of liability if they don't take proper precautions like certain number of block confirms like extended level yeah but it also confirms. highlights another attack vector of the whole industry at large which is exchanges like imagine if there was a large reorg like even a bitcoin cash now if they chose a winner it's still a minority fork it still has minority hash rate like if a big bitcoin pool decided for some reason to switch their hash rate over to bcash and reorg it at some point like that's still a possibility and that would fuck up the infrastructure of the exchanges um so that's why we tell people to get your shit off exchanges yeah that's why you should have very little on exchanges and if you do have it on multiple uh like split up but could you maybe that's like the first big well, the, state attack is that's the way they well, the other thing that I don't know if you saw my tweet, but they were someone tweeted out the rich list this weekend. Yeah, I saw like, that. I saw that. It was uh, Binance's Binance became the richest their address yeah. or richest wallet because uh bid info charts combines addresses. Mm-hmm. Um and then like if you look up the other ones, what was like it was all the exchanges, but it was like the sketchy exchanges first, right? Uh, the more sketchy exchanges, you know, the ones that don't... Anyway, the point is, if you switch to a proof-of-stake system, all of a sudden, not only do the exchanges already have all this soft power, but as major token holders, they're also going to have hard power as as a form of validators for your network. You know, imagine if the miners were also the exchanges. They were the same, well, in one entity. Seems just crazy to me. Right. Um, no, that's... Probably the biggest and, knock on proof of stake is like these exchanges are going to become the quasi gods of these systems. And and people said 
that this wasn't going to happen. No one would be cool with exchanges doing it or whatever. Like Binance is already doing it. Gate.io is already doing it. Coinbase announced they're going to do it. You know, like the users demand it. The exchanges want to offer it because it's another product line they get to offer. They get to incentivize volume to come in. They get to have more influence over the different networks, right, as validators. Yeah, so it's almost like we have to avoid this lore of, like, easy money and uh, a quasi-casino. Uh, what, the exchanges? Yeah. You just have to treat them as they are, you know? Just imagine that any money you send to them could always be lost at any moment, like 100% lost. Yep. Yeah, you know, like you could lose. It's not a hundred percent chance you'll lose it, but if you do lose it, you'll probably lose all of it. Yeah. So just be aware of it. You know, just be aware of it. That's uh. And we haven't had a major one in like a long time. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Right. It's been a fucking long time. When was our last one? Uh, was it Bitfinex, Bitfinex? in twenty sixteen? Um. <laughs> Besides all the random Asian ones that yeah, I, like, I, I never say, heard of until I got a, hacked. There was a Japanese exchange. Um, yeah, I think there's a Korean one too. I think the last big one was definitely Bitfinex. Uh, it was like 116,000 or 120,000 Bitcoin. Um, yeah. So I, I don't like what the exchanges did there. I'm just gonna make that known. I'm not a big fan of of uh, them agreeing to this checkpoint and instituting it and then claiming a winner so quickly. Even though I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I about Bitcoin I just, cash. The best part about this is I think. We have two takeaways here. We have um, Bitcoin Cash specifically is extremely centralized. And if you can have like one or two dedicated attackers um, cripple your chain, then like your threat model was like super naive to begin with. And, you know, you're not up to the task. It's just you need a censorship resistant money. You're not going to be able to even dream of 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 standing up to, to nation states if you can't handle Craig Wright. Um, and then the other thing is, I think people need to put, not all chains are equal just because it's hard to double spend attack on Bitcoin, you know, or, or do a reorg attack, a 51% attack on Bitcoin doesn't mean all these other chains are equal. Like if your chain is just GPUs, like you're at risk. Like because only the most prop, only, only the most valuable chain in this case, Ethereum for GPUs is actually secure because all the other chains are just, you know, they're just sideshows. So at any point you could have a, a massive amount of GPU power, graphics power come onto your chain. And then the other one is if you're a minority, if you're a minority chain with an ASICs, ASICs on your algo, which is what Bitcoin cash is, you're almost even more vulnerable, I think probably than a GPU chain because uh, that hash power is way easier to mobilize. You know, with Bitcoin Cash, you only needed 6% to reorg their chain this whole fucking time. That's ridiculous. So, and and inv- both investors and exchanges need to understand the risk that they're they're taking on when they when they use these in, less secure, even less secure chains. Yeah. Um, and as an exchange, like I wouldn't even want the headache of that. And so I think that's what's crazy to me. You know, like why are you listing Zen Cash or whatever? Like, are you really getting that much volume from it? No. Right, like it seems like it's over the long term. You you're putting way more tail risk. You're putting way more risk there. Um, That's why we're uh, fans of Cash App here. They make very sound uh, risk assessments. Bitcoin only. Bitcoin only. Very sound risk risk assessment. People might be like, "Oh, Bitcoin Max was only saying that." Well, I'll tell you, it makes the interface like way more clear. Right. Like, 
I was trying to wa- walk someone through fucking Coinbase and Gemini's interface, and it was just like way difficult. I haven't seen their interface because there's just so many coins there now that it, on on Coinbase at least that they make it like super difficult to to actually just do your normal your normal shit. It's a shame. Um, enough about exchanges and, and Bitcoin Cash, though. Let's talk about uh, exciting products in the space. Lolly. Lolly.com. L-O-L-L-I.com. Uh, so I'm th- a little torn on this project. Why? Uh, so explain it. Yeah, why don't you, what did you, you explain it, and I'll tell you why I'm torn on it. I'm pretty sure you just shop on Lolly, and they give you cashback rewards in Bitcoin. Correct. Basically. But you're not shopping on Lolly. You install the Lolly extension, and when you go to participating retailers' websites, you get, you basically get cashback. Yeah, cashback as Bitcoin to your extension wallet. Um, it's basically all the, it's basically all the retailers that are on Amazon, right? So it's just like another attempt uh, to drive traffic to non-Amazon uh, retailers. The problem I have with it is. Well, right now, you can't withdraw your Bitcoin. They say that's coming soon. So you don't really own Bitcoin. At any point, you can then sell your earned Bitcoin for cash and get the cash. Um, so that, that's a little bit annoying. Doesn't seem like why I came to download the app. But we had, was it the founder of the app, Hop in our Menchies over the weekend? So yeah, he says he's going to do it. He's going to do that soon. That's not really my issue. They're gonna, they'll do that soon. They'll let you withdraw. If you use the app, you should definitely withdraw right away. Um, let me, I'll start with my positive. My positive is I think it's a really easy way for people to get their hands on Bitcoin for the first time. I also think that it's a great way for us to help end this bear market because if we all, we all shop way too much probably. So, you know, if, if you go and, and you buy a great duffel bag like baboon to the moon, um, use the, use the code crypt 10% off. (laughs) You can get Bitcoin back, and they're they're basically what the retailers are market buying Bitcoin for you with the cash back and giving it to you. So it gives a little bit of buy pressure every time. I like uh, this. You go to one of these websites, so that's really fucking cool. Now my issue is the business model is literally they're tracking you and they're paying you for it. So like at least you get paid, but like I would never install this extension. No. No, because I'm like too much of a like I, why like I'd rather keep my privacy. Then get the Bitcoin. Yeah, that's uh. That's what it is. They're they're literally buying your privacy. And how much? Yeah, I mean, you'd have to do a lot of shopping. Uh, now, now he was called out about this on Twitter, and he said all the right things. You know, it's generalized, anonymized data. They like take data security like seriously, but like their terms of service have some questionable stuff. It literally is their business model, so. You know, way the be aware. Just be aware. Just use it in a different browser, maybe. I mean, but still, then they know all your purchases. But it's pretty cool. You get Bitcoin as cash back. Yeah, it's cool seeing Bitcoin getting it's worth uh, mentioning, getting uh, more into the minds of like retailers and stuff like that. It's interesting. Uh, Lolly dot com free ad. Uh, Noddle dot it. What is this? I haven't even looked at it. So now we're back to the sexy world of hardware nodes. We uh, first covered Casa Hodl. Um, then we ca- covered CoinMine, which we told you not to get, but th- they had the similar idea as Casa Hodl, but they put a miner in, right? Now, this one is uh, more cypherpunk than all the others. Okay. Um, a they, monetary library 
excuse me, monetary liberty in your palm. Bitcoin full node, lightning node, BTC pay server, plug and play, financial self-sovereignty. It's a souped up Casa HODL node. Mm-hmm. Um, the specs are a little bit nicer. I like that it has an SSD uh, instead of a hard drive. You get like way better performance. They don't pre-sync the chain for you. Um, so it reduces trust a little bit. And they plan on making it. Oh, and it runs BTC Pay Server, mm-hmm. which is a big thing out of the box. Um, and you can. The dream is that you. It's going to be. You can run all a bunch of different things on it. Um, you know, as they as they continue to develop it, you'll be able to. You know, run all. It'll be. It's a note in the box for everything, not just necessarily Bitcoin specific things. It's pretty dope. Yeah, I mean, I I like this idea that you have like a little box at home that runs all the things that we've recently thought we should run in the cloud, and you run it at home instead, and and you're connecting back to to your your hub. Yeah, no, I like that that idea a lot. Like similar to what Trezor does, where you just interact with your device uh, locally. Uh, you're not sending calls to the cloud, which is a huge security breach uh, or uh, leads you vulnerable to security breaches. Um, so yeah, cool, cool. To yeah, see so this. it has a little bit. It's souped up. Its processor's a little bit souped up. It's got that SSD in there instead, uh, and and the BTC Pay server. And then I think they also have a cloud, a cloud version, where they run it on a server for you instead. Yeah, so check it out. Nodl.it. N-O-D-L. Dot I-T. Um, cool to see these products getting built out. And the shit gets built in the bear market. Like price is bad. Had a big dump this week, but. Uh, I think we were discussing this earlier, like 2015 people legitimately thought it was going to zero. Uh, and at the same time, the last bar bear market, excuse me, we had the XT attack where we, we were fighting internally as Bitcoiners, uh, the whole block size debate and everything like now, like at least we won't like try and slit each other's throats for like another year and a half. Hopefully probably. Yeah, I mean, and maybe like Schnorr or something. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll get to that. Um, but yeah. Uh, since we got we- rid of a lot of the bad actors because they went to the forks and the altcoins. Right. Which is fantastic. Some are, some are trying to crawl back, I believe. You know, Bitcoin's permissionless. They can. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we'll forgive them. And that's all right. People don't forget. Um, sim swapping back in the news. It's uh, increasing. Uh, I listened to this great pod. That um, we're gonna plug in the show notes. What's that? I put the link there. It's uh, Reply All. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of Reply All? I've heard of it. Yes, I don't. I've never, never listened, listened to, to it, it before. One of my buddies sent it to me because it's related to Bitcoin and uh, like this actual episode is. So basically, is it about sim swapping in particular? What well, kinda? So some girl lost her Snapchat account. Um. At Lizard for Snapchat, and that's like a, it's like a it's like a original name. It's like one of the OG names. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's worth a lot of money. So she got it hacked, and then this reporter who does this podcast uh, started looking into it for her, and he originally thought it was sim swapping, and his investigation like gets him. He gets into the Discord group of like 
all these teenage and like 20 year old uh like hackers who are sim swapping people and password cracking people and uh he gets to a point where he like gets paranoid about it so like he investigates himself and realizes like it's super easy for him to get doxxed so he starts trying to like harden all of his stuff so it's like a fun way of like learning about you know how how you need to be aware of sim swapping and password protections and stuff uh and yeah he actually got the guys who so the guys hacked her snapchat account it turns out that they didn't even need a sim swapper because she didn't have two factors set up and she was using like top 500 password or something so they just cracked her password <laughs> uh but then once they cracked her password they like threatened her they said they were going to release her nudes like, oh. if she tried to take the account back, turned out she didn't even have any nudes on Snapchat, but she wasn't sure, like, if she saved one of her nudes. <laughs> <laughs> so she still, like, Damn. took it at face value. And But they sell it on this site called ogusernames.com or ognames.com, and it's all Bitcoin. They sell the accounts for, like, $1,500, $2,000 for Bitcoin. Um. And that's how these kids make money. And then they buy like Prada shoes and stuff and they brag about it in their Discord channel. That's <laughs> kids these days, man. Vicious. But I guess we should tell people what sim swapping is just to make sure. Yeah, well it's on the well, that's why I got confused. I didn't I didn't realize you're gonna jump into uh rehash of that podcast. But with sim swapping uh, in the back channels of people I've been talking to has been on the rise again. Um and, and sim swapping for you freaks that don't know is the practice where Somebody will figure out your phone number. It'll be associated with your Gmail or your uh, exchange account. And they'll basically go into whatever your provider is, whether it be Verizon, AT&T, Sprint, uh, pretend to be you and get a new phone and a new SIM card. Yeah, they can just call up even and just get it switched. Yeah, get it switched so they then have control of your phone number and can get like your 2FA and reset password sent to you. Um, sent to them sent to them uh, and then they get into your account and then it's they just drain everything. all your bitcoin yeah um so it's a it's it's a very prevalent pro- problem with bitcoiners and crypto enthusiasts in general um and the carriers of well there's there's faults on both sides like everybody needs to take care of their personal opsec but then the carriers i think they need to step up their game a little bit well uh, the problem is like the phone number is treated as like an authentication token Mm-hmm. And it's not secure at all, right? Uh, so with Bitcoin, they have like an easy way to monetize a SIM swap because if your account, if they can get into your Coinbase account or something with your phone number, then it's super. Easy. Then they take your money, and that's like they make money off of SIM swapping. But with the, that's what I found interesting about this OG names thing because you never think about that, you know. So that's another super profitable thing. That's really easy to target people because you just look for the OG names. They're all public, right? Like at fuck on Instagram, this guy had stolen. <laughs> really? Yeah, he had like all the big ones at loser on Twitter. Um, but like, so these are these names are worth you know tens of thousands of dollars, and same with your Bitcoin. Uh, so like the way you protect against this is you try and, I mean, it's not possible for people not to know your phone number. So I think that people. That's what like Lop will tell you, you know, like don't make sure no one gets your phone number. But I just assume that people are going to be able to get my phone number. Um, you should get a Google voice number, which is a free number from Google that can't be ported. It's tied to your Google account. Uh, your Google account should not have 
uh, a phone recovery attached to it. You should be using two-factor, but uh, app-based two-factor, not text-based two-factor everywhere. Yeah, and ideally uh, get like a uh, designated hardware uh, device for two-factor. Like a YubiKey. Yes. Uh, but the phone-based, the app ones are like... Google Authenticator. For yeah. all 99, 99% purposes, Google Authenticator will uh, protect you in these scenarios. So the key is you have to make sure that even if you have the app-based, like for on Google, for instance, on your Google account, you can set up app-based two-factor, but it doesn't automatically remove the phone number you originally put in as a password recovery option. So, so you, you have, have to, to go back and delete manually it. Manually do it. Yeah. Um, and then on top of this, when you do download the Google Authenticator app, make sure you write down the extra keys that they have to give you access in case you lose your phone. Your backup keys. You yes. need the back. Write those down and do not lose those. Well, so if you have, if you have uh, it changes your threat model a little bit, but I think it's worth it. If you have Android phone, I'm not sure if it's on iPhone, but there's an app called Authenticator Plus. Mm-hmm. And it works on the same system that Google Authenticator works on. Uh, but it saves a copy of all your backup codes. It saves a copy of all your codes uh, to Google Drive encrypted. So then you can put in like a super complicated password there. And then as long as you keep that password, if you lose your phone or something, you can then restore all your codes, which is really convenient. Yes. And like, so that makes you like a little bit weaker to like, maybe like, let's say like a state actor or something, but it makes you, it's just way easier if your phone falls in a lake. Or, I don't know. Yeah. Cause that's, that's a fucking it's a headache. It's a headache. Especially if you have like 20, if you have like 20 different sites using it exactly. and you have to put in the, like keep and manage the backup codes of each one like this, that, that makes it way easier. I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, use 2FA and then use 2FA correctly. Make sure you're checking all these boxes on the back end to make sure you don't get screwed if you lose your phone. It's crazy. You have to really go through them. I go, so another way to check is, is if you go to a website and click forgot password and try and get into your account with only the phone number. So if you can get, like pretend like you just hacked your phone number. So now the hacker has a phone. And then try and only get into the account with the phone number. You know, play around with and click the way that they would be clicking. Think like a hacker would. Yeah. Get into the mind. And then if you have to use your use that Google Voice number or a burner phone. At, if like some services, which is annoying as fuck, like Twitter, for instance, refuses to use two FA. Wait, no, no. So you can use two FA now, but first you have to put in a phone number, and then they give you the option to switch to app based two FA. Yeah. But. If you delete the phone number, it makes it way more likely for them to close your account or lock your account or something like that. Really? Yeah. Bad OPSEC, Twitter. Come on. So then you use a Google Voice number or use a burner phone number. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, these are on the rise. Be careful. Um, one thing you can do, but it seems to be uh, to have been uh, in vain up to this point is call your carrier and say, hey, if somebody's trying to... No, that doesn't do anything. Yeah, well, that's what Selkis did. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Selkis. Uh, twice he had, got hit twice. He's been sim swapped twice. I believe they got his wife recently, which sucks. Yeah, and they got they got their internet at their home. They turned off while they did it, um, so that it'd be less likely for them to respond. He, he like his building has like a uh, like a cafe study area where there's there's uh, building Wi Fi. 
Otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to like sign in and close all his accounts because they like cut his internet at his house. <sighs> the lengths through which these people go, it's uh, it's scary. But uh, you freaks need to know that these threats exist and they're out there. Um, shout out to Ryan Selkis. Sorry, I had to go through that shit. It sucks. Um, that's that's all I got on the docket. What do you got? Any the other good thing is like unique emails. If you use unique emails, yeah, for different services. You can make like free email accounts on Tuda or Proton Mail. What um Yeah, that's important too. Uh use a VPN, blah blah blah, the whole spiel. Yeah, but some sites if you use a VPN, then they block your account. Yeah. So but YouTube will do that. Because um, they think you're getting around geographic restrictions. Or like my, my brokerage account thought I was <laughs> like a hacker from Singapore, but I was just VPN'd. Nice. Um, that's all I got for this week. Uh, anything, anything? What's our time? What's our time on the thing? We're at fifty-six and a half minutes right now. We hit the list, right? Hit the list. I mean, it's like five days, so we're gonna come back on Wednesday of next week. Mm-hmm. Have a great Thanksgiving, guys. Enjoy Thanksgiving if you're here in the states. If you're not in the states, uh, enjoy your week. You, you know? know, this is it's like real Bitcoin again because. Like, you don't know what the price is going to be when we come back. <laughs> right? You know? Exactly. We could be anywhere. We could be. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where we are. Uh, but again, like like we said in the beginning of the episode, this is uh, it's just part of the process. It's part of the cleansing period of the last mania of last year. We'll see how low it goes. Uh, we know our buddy Mirad is, is very happy right now. He's so annoying. We'll have an update with him in January. Uh, you, you know the bottom won't be in until Murad doubles down on his short right next to it. Yeah, we'll catch up with Murad the night where we have her steak dinner. Uh, uh, it's going to be so much more expensive now for me. We'll record and then we'll go eat. Um, There's yeah. still time. We can recover. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll see. <laughs> no, Keep tell- no, there's no way. I definitely lost this bet. There's like no way. Keep telling yeah. yourself that. There's um, no way it'll recover that quickly. We shall see. At least I get to have a good steak dinner with some some good dudes, have some good conversation. Say hey, that's what life's all about, the connections you make along the way. Um, I hope you freaks are making good connections out there. I hope you enjoy the show. If you did, please subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, rate, review, share. Get the word out there. Um, like Before you press enter on Twitter, like just, I don't know, just, Take a deep breath and like think a couple seconds, you know, before you're like a complete dick to some random stranger on the internet. Like everyone's being really salty right now. Yeah. Uh, a lot of us have lost a lot of money and, you know, some more than others. And just, you know, the time to be like absolute dickwads to each other is like during the bull market. You know, that's like the best time to do it. Um, Cause you know you know you're not kicking them when you're not kicking them when they're down, and uh, just ignore the noise and just focus on the good shit. Just yeah. be grateful. Just be grateful for life, and that uh, that we're here right now. Uh, enjoy your weekends, freaks. Peace and love. Enjoy your weekends. It's a Monday. It feels like the weekend already. Okay, take care, freaks. <laughs>